as of this recording, the writer's strike, the actor's strike, has been over since midnight of November the 9th. After 118 days, there has been resolution. Let this be a reminder that the work of the artist is ongoing, still not respected as much as it should be. And again, it really feels like the world doesn't need us until they need us. Welcome to the Writer's Block. This space is for aspiring writers, indie, and published authors who desire tips, tricks, and tools to foster confidence in your ability to write. This space is also for voice actors, editors, and literary agents, all those people whom are writing adjacent. Let this space be a haven, a resource, and a reminder you can write all you see and see all you write. Grab your pens. We're about to circle the block. And hello, my linguistic acrobats. If you have made it this far in the show, you might as well keep going. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast wherever you find it, whether they be Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify. Those five stars help to defeat the racism of the algorithm and help to bring more writers into this tribe. Back to the show. From the minds that brought you the smash hit podcast Your Life the Mixtape and headliners comes Your Life the Mixtape magazine, a free monthly digital magazine that focuses on music, culture, and social commentary on current news and events. Visit www.yourlifethemixtape.com to subscribe today. I remember the first time I picked up a pen, not in the, I guess, more polished way that I mention that now, but I remember what it was like to put my thoughts on paper. I remember that vividly. I was eight years old. I was going to Lowell Elementary in St. Louis Public, and, um, I am blessed to have had college-educated parents who emphasize education. I had my library card by the time I was five. I was reading by the time I started, I started school. So I'm well aware of that educational privilege that I kind of walked into, that I didn't have to necessarily mine. I'm well aware of that. I remember there always being paper and pens around my house and there was always more books than there were television sets. And I'm eternally grateful for that because books are less expensive than TVs, right? But I remember how complete I felt when I first picked up a pen, when I was able to 
write my thoughts down. Now, again, I'm going to tell them, tell my age a little bit. For St. Louis Public Schools, I remember that you had you learned cursive by the time you got to third grade. And I remember, because I had a cousin, Nathaniel, who's deceased. He was a year he was a year ahead of me in school. And I remember he, you know, would try to put me up on game that, you know, he would he would learn cursive and because boys are trash sometimes, he would make fun of me because, you know, I could I didn't learn cursive yet. And I was determined that when I got to third grade, I was gonna write in cursive and nobody's gonna stop no one's gonna stop me from writing in cursive. And I remember I had my teacher, Miss Constance Kelly. And I have no idea if she's still living now. If I'm 42, she was a young teacher then. So she has to be at least in her late 60s, early 70s, maybe. Probably late 60s. Mid, if I'm being generous, probably mid to late 60s. Because I haven't been in third grade in almost 30 years. Oh, almost 40 years now, right? But what I saw from her when I gave her this uh, personal nerve, but let me back up a little bit. When I was little and, you know, me being the precocious child that I was, I would always get in trouble for, you know, talk too much, you know, lack self-control. That's what they had in on uh, report cards when I was little. And... I remember my mother said to me, you know, start taking a book with you to class. Again, I completely acknowledge the privilege that I had of having books at home, having access to a library. Shouts to Duval, the Duval Branch Library in the St. Louis Public Library System. And I remember her telling me to put a, bring a book with me to school so when I got done with my work, I could read. And, you know, not bother anybody. To this day, I still do that. Have my children do that. Um, you know, I'm known for streaming through uh, audiobooks. So, I mean, I'm constantly reading, right? Constantly reading. And really, I need to get back to actually reading physical books. Because sometimes me uh, going through the audiobook is not, it doesn't provide the same, the same power. And I remember I wrote this personal narrative about the rain. And I remember it was on loose leaf paper and I like drew in the margins. And I, you know, this little, this like this, it was like this jungle that I drew. And cause I was like making my own stationery. And I, cause I could see it so vividly in my mind now. And I remember one of the lines that I wrote uh, in the personal narrative was, you know, just take time, just look out, just take time, look out the, just, it goes, take time to look, to look outside the window, something like that. And I remember that I gave Miss Kelly this paper, because again, I was used to, you know, making these little stories, giving them, give them to my mom to, um, to read and to give me feedback on. And I remember it took her a couple days to get back to me. And so I, you know, like most kids, I, you know, I forgot, but I remember she had given it back to me within like a week. And I remember her looking me in the face and she said, you know, she didn't like slide it on my desk and like walk off. She slid it on my desk and the way she did it was she wanted me to, she wanted to catch my attention. And I remember her looking at me saying, you're good at this. You should keep writing. 
And though and those words changed my entire life. They truly, truly did. And even looking back on it now, I am incredibly great. I'm still incredibly grateful for her because it's still it still hits just like I'm a I was a I'm an eight year old girl. Those those words. Those less than 10 words changed my entire life. So when I say that the world doesn't need need artists, the need right until they need us. The presumption is that there will always be one, isn't it? That there will always be someone who has, you know, worked the day job, raised the kids, uh, you know, fought their own demons and teaches you how to do the same. Who etches out time to, you know, do the podcast, write the books, go to the poetry sessions, because there's there is a driving force in artists that will not let us be quiet is ruthless about our silence that does not that does not allow us to become comfortable on our laurels and we cannot for that cause ever abandon our witness I don't know what it's like or what it would be like if I were to stop writing. I don't know what that would be like. I've often asked myself out loud in frustration or wonder, what would happen if I just put my pen down and just didn't? Who would notice who would care, right? Who would notice who would care? None of, none of it is worth it. And yet when I think now, because I fought so hard to get back to this place, to get back to a place of creativity, of joy, of letting the work just pour out of me, that it feels very foreign to give that up. Because writing is such a large part of my life. And I don't think that people who are not creatives, who are not artists, who are not writers, I don't think they understand that. That this is a... This is a part of your life. And again, as Baldwin said, this is our work. And the only way we can have it to possess it is to let it go. Is to go off into the deep. To experiment with genre and point of view and to write the poems at 3 a.m. Or to write like Mad in Our Diaries. It, it is a peculiar thing to be a writer. And in that peculiarity, we find our tribes. We find the people who vibe with us, who rock with us, who who buy the books, who follow the, who follow us on social media, who uh, gravitate to any time that we do anything. And again, those people are amazing. And I believe I spoke about that in I want to say last season about the tier one. In tier two people, as far as as far as supporters are, or as far as supporters are concerned, you have fans and you have supporters and you have people who who hop on what you're doing because it's trendy. And yet, we create in spite of 
we do in spite of, despite what algorithms or sales or merch, whatever that says, we still do in spite of. And to that is a whole other level of of this holy work of writing. But again, I want to focus, refocus back onto this idea of they don't need us until they need us. I was watching a clip of uh, Rod Serling giving a talk about writing a couple weeks ago. And in that particular episode, he speaks about the, the 10 things that every writer should really be aware of. that we need to be aware that writing is demanding, that writing will demand we stretch and that we even accept that this is who we are. And I think that writing being part of the arts, not so much as, I guess, respected as acting is, even though actors need writers, because what are you going to recite if it's not written down? I think there's a level of disrespect that people have for writers because they don't value what we do, which is why you have this uproar and uptick of people saying, hey, I have chat. I have chat GPT. I don't need a writer. And I'm and I think it was Jerry. Was it Jerry Brockheimer who said it? I'm not sure. But there was one uh, director who said that and I'm probably not just him. Uh, because George R. R. Martin ha- is suing another company, another AI company, um, in regards to this same, this same um, idea of what it means to have intellectual property, and also Noam Ch- Noam Chomsky said that uh, AI, Chat GPT, things like that are just intellectual plagiarism because they're they can only mimic. Again, this I think no, I think it was Jerry Brockheimer who said that that um that AI can't create anything. It can only mimic. Your the world will never not need writers. The world will never not need witnesses. It will never not need witnesses. And to think otherwise is madness and laughable. There is never going to be a time in history that the writer is not going to be needed. There's never a time in history where the black artist is not going to be needed. Never, never. Um, Daily, I, you know, break the tape in my head of my own father telling me that, you know, you can't eat with an English degree. Because again, I believe I've shared this story multiple times, but it bears repeating again, because I won't abandon my witness for this, that in another life, I wanted to go to NYU because at the at the time, NYU had the best English program in the country. I had researched that, that NYU had the best English program in the country. And I wanted to be an English teacher. I wanted to be an English professor and I wanted to be in NYU. I wanted to be there. 
And from a from an impromptu trip with my baby sister in September of 2023, we actually went to New York. And that trip resulted in the work flying home, which will be out on Amazon and Kindle on well in January 2024. The beta readers have all I've already gotten great reception from beta readers, so I'm really excited for that to be released to the world. But that's what I knew I wanted to do. I knew that there was something about this gift, about uh, what my ha- what my head could push through my hands and give to the world. I knew that's what I wanted to do. And when he said that I couldn't eat with an English degree, it was almost him saying that I was not his daughter. It was that devastating for me. And it hurt. And it hurt to the point that our relationship was irreparably broken. Irreparably broken. Because I'm thinking this man who I have half DNA of cannot accept who I am at a basal level, but I can. To the point that I said, I don't want to do medicine anymore. I want to be a writer. This is what I want to do. And he just seemed not to uh, accept that. And the the thing that I find so interesting is that... um, one of his childhood friends, um, she used to do my hair when I was a girl. And she said, when I, you know, when I spoke to her and visited her here recently, she said that she remembered me always writing little stories, as she called them. She remembered that about me. And I almost cried in her living room. Again, the world doesn't need an artist until it needs an artist. It doesn't need a writer until it needs a writer. Meaning that when the world has shifted in such a way, when the paradigm has now become a problem, people people often look for something that will validate their experience, that will validate how they feel and the very human need to not feel alone, to feel connected, to feel as if, they are not the only person by which something has happened to, whether good, bad, or evil, or indifferent. And what I find the most interesting is the expectation of the world is that there should always be artists, there should always be poets, there should always be some form of entertainment and social soothing. And the writers and the artists, we do that. We give you poetry, we give you, you know, we give you scripts, we give you television shows, we get, we give you people that we create from composites or from memory. So you can understand that life has complexities and that, that not all of us truly can appreciate. But yet the expectation is that the writer should be there when you are ready for them. But if the writer is not there, then everybody's in awe. Everybody's in shock and in awe. And again, which is why, again, at the time of this particular recording, it is Thanksgiving. And I find it interesting that two weeks before this show is to air, that it took six months almost, well, 30 days are in a month. So it took almost four months for studios, execs, and other powers that be to begin to value the work that artists and writers and actors 
that they do that but no one values the arts until they need to value the arts but yet again the expectation is that there should be someone there to tell you how to get over but when you no longer need them or believe you can supersede your need for them then right all hope is lost and yet we create anyway we create anyway we start the patreons we write on medium we have um we we start blogs we donate our books to libraries we leave our papers to you know all my matters we leave them to our children we we give we give books that you know haven't sold we give we give ourselves away consistently because we must because we must because in giving me away, I can show you more of you. And the artist must give. That's part of that's part of our ownership of this creative energy. We must give it away. We cannot hoard it. Even if the world takes forever to catch up, we still must give it away. We must succumb to the relentless creative energy that comes from owning this God-given talent. And again, I go back to the Rod Serling quote, all writers are born. And the older I get, the more I write, the more that I feel like I need to write. He's absolutely correct. Me writing, me putting pen to paper, me um, espousing on the things that I believe are wrong or right. I understand uniquely that I must do this because this is part. Uh, this is part of my work of service and gratitude toward humanity, which is what the arts is supposed to do. The world doesn't need a writer until it needs a writer, but the writer still must be there if the even if the world ignores him or her for the time being, because the world will never totally discard the writer. It is our job to be here to record, to mimic through fiction, to reveal through nonfiction, to put poetry in your mouth, put truth in your mouth, whether whether it be to a beat or not to write the essays, to write the novels, to start the blogs, to do the podcast. We must do this work because it is needed. So when someone else will need it, it will be there. Because inevitably, it will be needed. And what a fault, what a horror it would be for you as a writer who know the work that you must do, and you refuse to do that. Don't refuse your work. Pick up your pen, even if no one's looking. Keep writing. The time has come to leave you to your thoughts and words. The hope is that what was shared in this space was encouraging, empowering, and a catalyst to write. 
Special thanks to Valor Music LLC for all audio production and mixing. All business inquiries and advertising inquiries can be sent to circlethewritersblock at gmail.com. If you feel so inclined to support the work of this podcast to continue to fight erasure of black and minority writers, consider supporting through Cash App at dollar sign J-B-H-W-R-I-T-E-S, that's J-B-H Writes, or PayPal at S-G-L-L-C dot one zero three eight at yahoo.com. We will see you next time when we circle the blocks.